Welcome to Drinking Bros, presented by BlackRifleCoffee.com. Put down the water and grab a fucking drink. Drink, 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 drink. Welcome to Drinking Bros. We have an awesome show tonight. We've got Mark Oz Geist, who is obviously a member of the Annex security team that fought the Battle of Benghazi. Uh, from September 11th to September 12th in 2012, he was also the co-author of the best-selling book, 13 Hours, The Inside Account of What Really Happened in Benghazi. The boys got to sit down with him and have a chat, and uh, it's a fantastic episode. Um, we've got some sad news, though, to start off with tonight. Usually, we save the drinking bro of the week for the end of the episode. This week, we're actually going to do it at the beginning. We lost one of our own. Uh, long-time drinking broettes, um, man, uh, Amber Repka. Uh, her and her husband, Richard Repka, have been in the drinking bros community for years and years now at this point. They were, I think, some of the originals, to be honest with you. And uh, she passed away after battling multiple diseases over the last few years. And uh, she'd been sick for a long time, but now her pain and sorrow is gone. Uh, Richard wrote in and said, look, she loved listening to you guys, uh, on the drinking bros and Ross Patterson revolution. Um, and they use the podcast to get through some dark times these last few years. She leaves behind two kids, Emma and Ryan. And, uh, thank you for bringing my wife a little bit of enjoyment through all of these shitty times. I love you guys. And I love the drinking bros community. Uh, that was from Richard Repka. I'm really sorry to hear that, man. I, boy, I saw that post um, last night, and uh, I wanted to lead off the show with it because I, I know them personally. Um, and again, they were some OG, like back in the day, drinking bros, community members. For those of you don't who don't know, we have a private group on Facebook that anyone is welcome to join uh, Drinking Bros on Facebook. And when we started this, the two of them were some of the very first people uh, to join. So that is sad news. Uh, Richard, we're thinking about you and, uh, and your children during this time. Uh, now we're going to hop into the show. But first, we have some sponsors. First and foremost, talking about that good old BlackRifleCoffee.com. Man, I love Black Rifle Coffee. Um, I, get a, I get a new way in which I love Black Rifle Coffee tonight. They're offering subscriptions for friends now. This is a huge deal to me. Um, for a long time, look, I've, I've probably been a member of their Coffee Club of the Month program for about a year and a half now. And I always get hit up by friends and family who are like, yo, I would love to have some Black Rifle. And I'm like, all right, cool. I, I'll go on, you know, order you a bag and then have it shipped to your house or whatever. I wish there was like a three-month program or a six-month program that I can just get them on and then, hey, great, it just gets shipped to your house. Now there is. So you can order a subscription for someone else from three, three months to six months to a year or more if you want to. But uh, let's say it's kind of like a medium friend, like a moderate friend. Get them a three-month subscription. Just let them know you're thinking about them and then tell them to fuck off after that. I don't know any other company that does that, but BlackRifleCoffee.com does it. We got a new promo code, too. It's Drinking Bros 20. Drinking Bros 20 is the new promo code. I would highly recommend you using that on a subscription of the month club. Also, they are shipping all of your stocking stuffer items in time for Christmas. 
Problem is, man, they're selling out of things quick. So go to BlackRifleCoffee.com now. Use that promo code DRINKINGBROS20 and uh, get the deals while they still have them. Next up, we've got FreakerUSA.com. That's F-R-E-A-K-U-S-A.com. Man, we have had a bunch of requests for these since we did that, that live show at Army-Navy. Everybody was like, holy shit, these socks are fucking amazing. Um, we we're, Look, we, we officially license our likeness to FreakerUSA.com. They're doing socks. They're doing bottle sleeves for us. What's a bottle sleeve? Fits on every single bottle available. Instead of having a moist hand when you rip into the cooler, you put this over your, your bottle, your can, uh, your, your, your fucking bottle of lead slingers. It even goes over a bottle of lead slingers. Uh, one size fits all at FreakerUSA.com, and uh, they got a new six-pack for it. So you can get all of our smiling faces. You can get Matt Best, Bitch I Operate, Instructor Earl, Gene Vandenham, Jared. You can get Drinking Bros Podcast bottle sleeves. You can get the Drinking Bros Podcast socks there. Also, when you order that six-pack, it comes with a random one in there. Uh, the last few people who've ordered them said they got Donald Trump. I forgot they have the license for Donald Trump, uh, which is crazy. Um, and they also got Donald Trump socks. So if you go to FreakerUSA.com, they're the official Licensed company for all Drinking Bros podcast items, including our faces and likenesses. Um, and they also got Trump. Nothing can stop me. I'm all the way Trump. And all of the NFL and all of your, your favorite college teams. Yes, they have Ohio State. They have LSU. They have Alabama. They have Oklahoma. Every single college team they have. Um, they're one of the very few places that the NFL and the NCAA trust with their license. We're, we also trust our faces with their license as well, and we love their products. Go to FreakerUSA.com. Get some bottle sleeves. Get a six-pack. Get some socks for Christmas. Perfect stocking stuffers at FreakerUSA.com. Promo code DRINKINGBROS gets you 20% off. Next up, we got GhostBed.com forward slash DRINKINGBROS. Another big one for the holidays. Why? Because if, if you're like myself and so many other married people, or even if you have a fucking live-in with you, a uh, girlfriend or boyfriend, sometimes you want to go after just that one big ticket item for Christmas. So that way it's like, hey, man, I'm not buying you 50 other fucking gifts. Let's just get one giant thing and celebrate that together. We do that at our, our house all the time. Uh, a mattress is one of those items. Ghostbed.com's got the finest mattresses on the planet. They ship right to your house. Boom, you pull it out of the box. You're good to go. We all have these fucking mattresses. Not only that, we've all bought another mattress uh, afterwards because they're that incredible. The deals they're running right now are $500 off a bundle package. Uh, they got $300 off a mattress, uh, free sheets, pillows, all that other shit, man. Go, go to ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros and take advantage of these deals. Also take advantage of their pay-as-you-go program, which is 36 months, no interest. That's right. No interest for 36 months. That's three fucking years, man. Uh, that's pretty incredible. And their mattresses are are, are fairly priced, and uh, they're well worth it, man. I, look, we wouldn't be peddling a fucking mattress um, if it was a piece of shit. We know how, how costly mattresses are. And they last you for years, so you might as well go ahead and get one if you need one. Next up, we got StrikeForceEnergy.com. Strikeforce is the premier energy drink in the biz, kids. You know them. You love them. They've been with us forever, and they're going to stay with us right in that bed. Baby, it's cold outside. Well, grab some Strikeforce and uh, power that dick up. Yeah, you might be making love over the holidays with a little extra cushion 
for the pushing. That's right. It's weight season. It's also drinking season. And if you're drinking, you got to stay awake. You got to stay awake from your family. And uh, you got to stay awake with your kids. Get four amazing flavors. Grape, orange, original, lemon. Throw that in your vodka, beers, or wines. And be prepared to stay up all day. No one will know. They'll just think you're just an energetic guy. They get a 10-pack, a 40-pack, and a 750-milliliter bottle. For that bar top, you know that bar top's going to be fired up for the holidays. Go to StrikeForceEnergy.com. Get yourself some of these 10-pack boxes. The 10-pack boxes are great for stockings. Fucking love these little guys. They also have a subscription of the Month Club, which is great. Uh, Look, I drink this shit every day. It's like fucking pre-workout for me. Or afternoon crash. Go to StrikeForceEnergy.com. Use the promo code Bros for 20% off. Next up, we got BisonUnion.com. New to this, not true to this. No lie, went on their website last night, used my own promo code, and bought some fucking hats um, for all my family members. Love Bison Union. They are sold out of boots, though. I know I keep keep really jamming home how much I love their boots. Well, I guess I jammed it home too hard. They're fucking sold out. Um, Man, the apparel they have there. Look, we wear it in real life all the time. You see me, Matt, and and Evan, and Jared always wearing the shit on our Instagrams and, uh, and, and the Facebooks and whatnot. You can slide over to at ST James, ST James, if you don't believe me, um, on Instagram and check it out. Uh, it's, it's the best apparel for dudes that you can go out in, man, and just feel like a fucking man every goddamn day. Feel like a fucking cowboy. Earn your food. Go to bisonunion.com. Use the promo code Drinking Bros for 20% off. Look, we love their hats. Uh, they got belt buckles. Their t shirts are, are, are the best in the biz. And our good friend Bert from TV owns the company. Hashtag Bert from TV. Go to go to at Bison Union on Instagram too, and, and hashtag Bert from TV, and and use the promo code Drinking Bros at BisonUnion.com. That is twenty percent off there, and it's good every time. So it's it's never going away at BisonUnion.com. Last but not least, we got GrenadeSoap.com. Incoming. You might as well stock up on all the Drinking Bros shit for. For, for the holidays, because I mean, dude, at, at GrenadeSoap.com, their bars of soap, that's a perfect gift for the old stocking as well. Why? Because the soap's made with real gunpowder, so you know it's good, which it literally does act as, as an exfoliate um, when you're using it for dudes, and you smell like a man. I'm so sick of smelling like my wife. Uh, man, that's weird. That sounds weird, but it isn't. Go to GrenadeSoap.com, start smelling like yourself. I like that. I might start using that phrase. Smelling like yourself. Smelling like a dude. Um, at GrenadeSoap.com. They also got a taint scrubber for ass-eating season and a bunch of fucking cool bathing products for dudes that help you smell like a dude. Uh, GrenadeSoap.com is, is always using that promo code DRINKINGBROS for 20% off. And again, that is a great stocking stuffer. A bunch of stuff in there. Again, smell like a fucking dude. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here is Mark Geist. Gosh, I don't know how many years. How many years do we go back, Mark? Probably four or five. I mean, I think More than we that, met because when did you when did you come to work out in uh, where we met? Oh, that's 12? right. That was I don't know, oh eight, oh nine, something like that. Yeah. So, so Mark, uh, give us give us the whole the whole rundown. Like, give us your give us your background. Um. Uh, I, you know, I grew up in Eastern Colorado, uh, farming, cowboying, breaking horses, rodeoing, doing crazy stuff. Uh, joined the Marine Corps for 12 years. Um, 
got out of the Marine Corps and went into law enforcement. Uh, so thought I could do something there. Actually, I got out of the Marine Corps because my first marriage was struggling and with the deployments and everything. I got out when I become a cop, I was busy all the time anyways, right. got divorced anyway. So I, re- I figured out that it was probably me, not the, uh, the Marine Corps. Right. <laughs> but, uh, like a lot of us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was me. That wasn't my job. Uh, it was definitely me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, then, uh, was working in Colorado as a deputy sheriff. Uh, I was, my main thing was investigating crimes against children. And uh, did that for about three years and then took a job as chief of police in a small town, kind of a Barney Fife Mayberry town down where I grew up. And that's where I met my second wife. And we've been together now going on 20 years. And uh, she's put up with me a lot longer and um, probably because I was gone a lot when I started contracting. Right. She's in the background shaking her head. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, that's when I started in 2000, early, well, 2004, about May is when I started contracting with Triple Canopy, um, went overseas, was in Bakuba, Iraq and, uh, worked there for, um, about a year on that contract. Mark, were you there in late 04, early 05 when they were, when they were setting fire, those race or the British and stuff? Yeah. Oh my God. That looked like, that looked like it was pretty heavy down there. It was. Uh, I was. We were. We were downtown. You remember? Remember where Blue Dome was? Absolutely. The uh, governor's uh, and army. Big army had a uh, a, a jail. They yeah. coordinated with the Iraqi National Guard at the time, and so we were down the street from that. And uh, anytime the uh, bad guys, usually it was Sauter, mm-hmm. Sauter's guys got a wild hair. Um, they would. Uh, attack the jail then they'd come down and attack us and um i don't know they were setting a lot of ieds in too because i think we'd average 30 ieds a day going up and down the roads yep. so yeah so mark like, geist i think we got to do that intro which is yeah you know where where we met um i guess it's pretty obvious where where we met but we worked uh, in the same office at the agency for several years. I came over in late 05. Mark, when did you get over there? Um, I think it was, I stayed, I think I didn't get there till late 09 or two. Yeah, probably no. Yeah. Eight oh nine or okay. 09. I think it was Oh eight or 09. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, and you're, you're probably best known now, um, as one of the, uh, co-authors and what was the name of the book and then the movie that went out um the book was called 13 hours yep the true account of what happened in benghazi and that was me and tonto and tig and then uh db who's now come out and then one other guy that uh jack who's who's kind of remained uh in the shadows a little bit um i got to meet tig last week mark i I was in colorado springs actually for a concert and he was out there with five finger death punch so we got to chatting for a little while i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) he says he's got a range down south i know it he does he does uh it's it's we don't get it we don't get to do much anymore together we're just both going different directions and so busy but uh yeah he's he's found his niche and he's doing great i'm really happy for him and uh 
<clears throat> so when Mark and I met, we actually met <clears throat> on the range, and that was after Benghazi, and you were doing some rehab, um, and I was working as a as an instructor, and I was deploying back and forth and working as an instructor at the time. So when Mark came out, you know, Benghazi was really still fresh on everybody's mind in the office. And, um, you know, and I think there's been so much information out there about Benghazi that a lot of people obviously know about it still. They still think about it because it's continued to be refreshed and rightfully so because of, you know, our friends that were, were killed out there and ultimately the other people that were killed out there. But, you know, if you could... Give us, give us your your take on on the on the failings of of the layers of incompetence and where kind of the 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 downward spiral came. Well, and, you know, it's uh, with the State Department. Um, you know, because that night on the rooftop, I mean, it was you know, and it wasn't the first gunfight I'd ever been in, but it was the one that changed my life the most. Right, and. Uh, you know, kind of put me in a different direction. And, right. that, you know, in the hospital for about, I don't know, six weeks, um, when things first started out and it really kind of, you started thinking more detail after the fact, right. you know, cause we, at least myself, I tried to stay away from state department as much as possible. And I, th- I think that was true with most of us. I mean, I think yeah. even going into that, <laughs> that that's a true statement with most of us we 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 steered clear of state department and and for a wide variety of reasons yeah because you know and and they had some great guys there i mean yeah um, fuck yeah you know it's just i don't they weren't they had the wrong guys there though Mm -hmm. uh you know, most of the training from State Department was all based on everything that had been going on and the experiences that they had from Afghanistan and right. Iraq, which, you know, the, the downside to that is in both of those countries, you had a large presence of either Army, Marines, I mean, Navy SEALs or somebody there to call on as your QRF. Right. Um, when we're in Benghazi, there was no QRF. Right. And... You know, they they bounced back and forth calling um, the State Department compound a consulate. Then they put it on as a uh, special missions um, facility. You know, in the background on that, all, all that is because if you go all the way back to 1983 when the Marine barracks got bombed in uh, Lebanon, yeah. they came out with um, the after-action reporter. They call it the ARB, mm-hmm. the uh, Accountability and Review Board. Right. Um, I think that's an oxymoron, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. they, uh, they came out and said there's certain things, standoff and barriers and they, they went through and they did a great job on that first one and said, this is what needs to happen. If it's an embassy, there's certain standoffs. There's certain things that have to be done from security procedures, location, et cetera, et cetera. You know, avenues of approach, how they're covered, how they're dealt with. Well, the unfortunate thing is, you know, we didn't have a really another attack on any embassy or consulate mm-hmm. until uh, Nairobi um, in the 90s, you know, over 10 years, what, almost 15 years later. Right. And, of course, they went back through and the State Department did the things they do best. They go through and they uh, um, do another accountability and review. 
they go through and evaluate what they did wrong, you know, what they did right, what they should fix. And when you read those two, the things that went wrong in the first one in 1983 are the same things that they had never actually fixed, though it was recommended that they did. Right. They just never put the emphasis on it. And um, when you look, and a lot of that came down to, a, you know, a consulate had to have certain stuff, an embassy, certain stuff. Right. If it's a special mission facility, well, you can get all kinds of waivers to not have to have those security procedures that are so important. Right. And that's what happened with Benghazi. Is, um, and I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that the... Uh, you know, it was the approach to foreign policy that the previous administration and the State Department had. Right. Um, you know, it was that touchy-feely, we're going to let them feel like uh, they're taking care of themselves, you know, that uh, we're not the big Americans trying to f push them in one direction or another. Right. I mean, but unfortunately, we pretty much, the militias, and, and when militias took over, they killed everybody over there that had a brain and knew how to run things and now you have a country that's in chaos and it right. still is to this day right well and i think that that's pretty important i think you know even going back to you know your your time as as far as you know in your deployments from iraq and you know 2004 and then leading into benghazi and that was 2011 right 2012 2012 and yep. you know i think that there's a there is a somewhat of a disconnect from the the when i say they're they're less competent at security protocols and high threat areas uh based on management right so they just don't have the experience they didn't have uh you know eight years close to a decade of some of the rotations and the places that we had seen and I talked to people about this, not as a subject matter expert in the sense that I'd been there, but that, you know, obviously people have asked, like, man, I, we saw this everywhere. You know, people were a fish out of water when it came to really high threat environments, especially if they were rotating out of countries where things were relatively stable and they didn't have a context to how ultra violence takes place. Like, it, it, right. it, it just, they don't have the 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 mental capability to but understand but they're the ones how, making the decisions exactly like but they're the ones making it's, it's the, the decisions same, it's and the it's same like thing like with you know you're asking you're asking you're asking and they're saying well no you don't need that right. wait how are you gonna say that to me from yeah. the states right. or it, from it, <laughs> from it, a safe place it's like right it's like asking a metal shop worker that understands how to work with all the machines to take away some of his safety electricity no take away some of his safety devices <laughs> cool. and then speed up production yeah. that's yeah. basically you it's like you're, you're gonna get somebody hurt and gloves <laughs> yeah. you, uh and i need you to and go i want twice you to swing fast. this piece of steel at a th ten thousand you know pound hammer swinging down on it right like come on dude <laughs> you're asking me to do things that are inherently unsafe and the reason that i know why is because i've been doing it for a lot longer right and it just seemed like there was a disconnect. And obviously, you and I had talked about it in 13 when you came yeah. in, in depth. And we had probably had a lot of conversations in 13 because um, you're still going through a lot of rehab at that point, too, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was. I was. It's ironic uh, because I, I still 
end up last Thursday I had surgery from things that complications I'm having from things that happened in 2012 because the way how fast they fixed me right on certain things they didn't you know it was just let's fix things make stop the bleeding sew it up get it going right um but you brought that up it just, it, so I had I had to have a couple a surgery last Friday last Thursday week ago yeah six years and yeah and and how many how many rotations do you think you did, man? In like in the eight years that you were rotating back and forth into these countries? Well, when I figured up, it was because I was there almost because it was early '04 mm-hmm. to late '12, so it was almost right. nine years. Yeah, um, I figured up I was gone almost seven and a half of it yeah. overseas. Yeah, um, and it was you know I'd do it early on. It was a three or four months rotation. I'd be, get, mm-hmm. be gone for three months, four months, home a month, gone five months, home a month. Right. Um, did that for the first three or four years, and then, um, you know, the last few it was usually six. You know, two on, two off, or right. two and a half on, two off kind of thing. Yeah, and I think that's like a lot of guys. They didn't quite understand that, you know, because I, I I've talked about that too. And they're like, well, you know, how many trips? I'm like, I don't know. I, I did forty plus rotations. And yeah, and they they they. I mean, I I was doing this um, this Q and A a while back, and then I I had counted up and did some math in my head, and like like I was like 43 rotations like that's bullshit you can't do 43 I'm like no man there's 43 rotations I was gone 300 days out of the year and you know it wasn't just that I I was I was rotating either with the office or I was still in the reserves at that time too and I got it's impossible I'm like no it's not because we're we're two on two off typically or I was doing like 75 45 for a long time because of the the need Yep. And God, it's like you just want to stay over there, though, because just the flight over there is the worst. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, and the it's other, like, you know what? I'll just stay. Well, and the other thing is, is you know, they were they were at that point they needed guys, right? So yep. you could extend. Qualified I, guys. I did. I did. I, I did plenty of. I did like oh five oh six where I was home no more than two and a half to three weeks at a at a pop, and. And people are like, that's, that's fucking crazy. I'm like, man, I worked, I worked 400. I was like, I I forget when I say 400 it's like 380 days in a row between the reserves. And I deployed to like the Philippines. So I came home from Iraq, came home, packed pallets and turned back around and flew across the world to the Philippines for a JSAT, (laughs) came back, took, took, broke down my pallets and then flew back to Iraq. And that was like my entire fucking year was like that, like 380 plus days. And, you know, you start to think about things in the past. And now obviously both you and I have, you know, transitioned away from that life, but it's, it's, uh, it's, it's just interesting how much we were gone and how much we were immersed in these two, it, it went, the two of us were immersed in like Iraq. God, I knew the streets of Iraq better than I knew the streets of my hometown that I was living in. Like, I, yep. because we were on them every fucking day, all day long. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it, it, I sit there and think about it because, you know, I lived. So for part of my time when I was in Iraq, I was training Iraqi SWAT teams and their emergency response units. And we would go out and do um, 
as as contractors, we weren't uh, the we were the observers, so to speak. Right. Um, so you know, we but we would go out and with the groups that we're training to make sure they're hitting the houses right and every they're doing that. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up with uh, Doctor Ayat Alawi, he's one of the former prime ministers of Iraq. I was his security advisor for about a year. Right. Me and uh, I worked with the South African, and we lived out in town in Baghdad, yeah. outside of Black Gate, out the back gate there. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, I lived out there with four other Kurdish guys and him. Um, and like you said, I mean, you know, I spent probably more that those few years. I probably spent more time with those Kurdish guys than I did with my own family. Oh, that was an absolute for me when I because I I got a divorce. And then went straight into like post-divorce work mode, right? And I didn't yeah. come out of that post-divorce work mode. I think the longest time that I took off in three years after my divorce was something like thirty days, just because yeah. psychologically I wasn't I wasn't even willing to deal with it. I did almost six months in Baghdad with uh, a contingent of Australian uh, soft guys, and it right. was it was fucking ba- it was great. It was a great rotation, and I think that a lot of people they don't. I don't think they quite understood how the business of when I say the business, like the the professional, you know, a security contractor or the intelligence community or the military paramilitary activities that were going on in Iraq and the complexity and danger of Iraq in like oh five oh six oh seven that fucking place <laughs> that place was like it was it was so you had you had your initial push in 2002 2003 early early to late, late three right you fought the army the army disbanded there was about a year's worth of kind of calming mm-hmm. and then the insurgency kicked off and that's when they that's when they came up with ieds like right, remember, yeah, the, the, yeah. No, the, I, the invasion. I, there was no, there was no IED threat, and then all of well, a sudden, it's like, hey, this is the new way they're fighting, and it's like there oh, was. Shit. So there was. So the first complex attack I was involved in, like really involved in, it was a a shitty IED initiated in Bakuba, and the building behind, like our second vehicle in the convoy, fucking blew up. Like on the, like right on the street. Right. And we were like, what the fuck? <laughs> we were like, cause we were, we were looking for tanks and gun trucks and taxis. And like, we weren't really looking well, so for they did that to us to ODA. I want, I believe it's ODA 381. When I was in Mosul, they lured, uh, the team into a building and then detonated the building mm-hmm. on the team. Oh section. yeah. I remember that. I remember yeah. that. Yeah, but they weren't they weren't sophisticated enough in like oh four. There was there was a calming gap where like yeah, I it called was, it the pregnant pause in you, the you war. Remember Colonel Carilla? <laughs> yeah, you of ever course. Heard him? Yeah, yeah. So he rolled in with uh with the twenty fifth ID, wasn't it? The guys yeah, from yeah, Hawaii. Yeah. yeah, you're right. And 25th. he yeah. was yep. just laying it to him in Mosul, mm-hmm. and then it like all calmed for a little bit, and then. Spring, summer, 05, I was there with the 172nd and with a team from third group, and then it just exploded again. Yeah. And that's when we had the sniper, the the huge sniper problems, and that's when, yeah. yep. you know, we brought Jack, uh, <laughs> he came well, out it, with his counter sniper team. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Jack <laughs> yeah. Well, shoot, you know, in early 04, we were running around in soft skins. 
Yeah, no, yeah, there was no we, up armor. From, a, from <laughs> no. a contractor, we were running around in soft skins. I mean, you know. Um, I had a bungee corded, like, 762 by 39, like a, like a, like a shorty Wait. AK with oh. a century drum on the uh-huh. side of my fucking, <laughs> on the side it's of my drum. with a century drum. <laughs> that thing was so fucking loud. And, uh, you know, I mean, it was louder than the M2 on the top of the fucking. Are you serious? On, yeah. It was so fucking loud, but yeah. it was bungee corded into the, into the vehicle. And I had another five, five, six SIG in my lap. I was the driver. <laughs> like it was, it was, it was ludicrous. It was stupid. Uh, but. There, well, we, we took the doors off because we're like fucking doors aren't gonna do anything. It's I remember my buddy work. that was a Bravo. He had he had built it. He welded a bunch of shit to make two M twos have a single firing mechanism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With a butterfly. so he had a double. Yeah, he yeah. had a double M two. <laughs> it was like oh shit. Well, and and you can paint some light in this because you were with TC back then, but dudes were getting fucking smashed in 05. Yep. It was it was every day you were out if if you didn't get fucking blown up you were like this is this is a good day fuck yeah this is a good day yeah yeah i mean day. you know and, the, and and you sit back and cuz you know some of the cars some of the other things we first i remember when we first got our uh BMW 7 series in they were fully armored god and was, wasn't that a fucking gift from heaven oh i know it had that v10 in it <laughs> it was amazing dude had a v10 in it i mean it was yeah. made from the ground up Sick. we could make the trip we would drive that trip there would be three cars yeah and we would spread out probably half a mile between each and we would go from baghdad to bakuba yeah. which normally is like four hours two, yeah four hour trip we could do it in two and a half yeah i mean <laughs> that's like real james bond shit no, I, I I told people this. I was like telling people this one time, Mark, and they're like, "Oh, what was one of the what was a good memory?" And I was like, "I remember exactly that. We got these older. They were like '90s era, uh, like V12 or 10 or whatever. Yep, V10s and V12s. And uh, and I put on some the the uh, the new Tool. like flight uh, NVGs. Yeah, the that you PVS that, 50 yeah, twenty ones, twenty ones, yeah." And we put in, we put on fucking tool, and we were driving a hundred miles an hour at like midnight from like fucking Ramadi to Baghdad, and it was like you're like you're and you're fucking kidding me, and we had like you know two hundred thousand dollars in cash in the trunk or something like that, and it was like no, you didn't. I'm like no, I did actually. actually yeah, it's the other things we were doing on the drive that I can't tell you about. <laughs> I just wish I would have had a GoPro that I would have had in the window all. All the time back then oh could you imagine <laughs> yeah no, I, I mean we were going down the road one time and the lead or the uh principal vehicles going in between and it got in these two semis one was in front of me pulled in and split us and another semi's coming down there but there was enough room to split the gap yeah and i'm just like okay boom we're going 110 mile an hour and i'm in a chevy suburban and we're just flying through there and the guys in the back the window lickers are like you know how close you were i'm like yeah about three inches on each side and uh (laughs) because they're looking out the window and that semi truck was like if they could have reached out the window they could have touched it that's and but that's what i mean it was that was the most fun i mean it was like wild wild west 
I yeah, because we had we had the we had the turbo gun trucks with the ODA team that were yeah, yeah. super quick. They were souped up, and yeah. we would we, we would finish up somewhere in Mosul, and then you guys want to race back home, right? And it was every man for himself. Like yeah. we'd split the convoy and just be <laughs> and going as fast as we could. No rules, sidewalks doesn't no. matter. Fucking just whoever can get to the base fast. We were yeah. we were in Karbala. In on the invasion, so we were in Karbala right before we surged into like Najaf and a few of these other places, and in I had a lonely. Do you remember the Lonely Planet travel guides? Did you guys ever use those? They were like a yeah. little book. I had a Lonely Planet travel guide for Iraq <laughs> that that showed there was a fucking palace on the river on the Euphrates River right outside of uh babylon like the babylon the place of babylon yeah that wall's still there yeah yes yeah yeah so how we we were like well we're hitting the palaces because we're looking for fucking fatain and and everybody else how we found that palace it wasn't on our intel maps it's on my fucking lonely planet guide (laughs) and we did a cannonball run in our gun trucks from like karbala to a fucking palace on a hill overlooking the Euphrates, <laughs> and it was like it was like Mad Hatter craziness because we're like fucking hey we're gonna blow the hinges off these safes and see what gold's in there Iraqi gold Iraqi gold <laughs> and people are like no nah, you didn't uh, no that's yeah that's that that that's what it was like it was like for those three years yep that place One. was fucking incredible <laughs> like if you didn't die i'm, jeal- I'm jealous because because you got to go at an older age i kind of wish i was older when i went i went too young you my know? brain was fully developed so yeah. i understood See, what I was it doing. was like hey i can i can get in a lot more trouble <laughs> like if i if i went back my first time at 30 and not 19 i would have had a lot more fun <laughs> oh yeah. yeah well it's like so when i i went over and worked for a company called usis and that's we oh, were yeah. training these yeah. swap teams yeah. So we also had our own kind of we dev- we we started our own airline. We called it Kabul Air. Yeah. And uh, it was IL seventy sixes. We had Ukrainian pilots and Russian pilots yeah. flying in all the equipment, and they they had a contract. We got a contract with them flying equipment around the Middle East for the army and the military for U.S. government, and they would bring in our stuff. And uh, it ended up getting stopped at the airport, and they turned it around because I had ordered. Out of uh, Dubai, I ordered two jet skis because <laughs> my bucket list was I wanted to ride a jet ski down the Euphrates River. Yeah, going by the palaces. Yeah, I was gonna get. We had one other guy who was gonna ride backwards. He was gonna he was gonna be armed. One of us is driving, and we're gonna do two of them like that. But uh, unfortunately, they ended up getting that turned around on us. But uh, that place, I mean, and, and you know, as a contractor, it was great because. I mean, we got to shoot so much. We had, we had a hundred. I mean, somebody made the mistake of of ordering a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand rounds of um, hydroshock, right? Nine mil. <laughs> because, yeah, because we were a DOD contract. You yeah. know, you couldn't use that stuff. Yeah. So I mean, we were going out every night when uh, we had downtime. Every night that we had downtime, we were shooting on the range. I mean, I'd shoot a thousand rounds a night yeah. and for like 90 days straight. And 
it was just, I mean, it was a blast. I took a, a PKM and cause we didn't have any seven, six, two belt feds. Um, so I took that, that I could use out of a, out of a SUV. So I took the PKM, we cut it off about an inch in front of the uh, front sight post, recrowned it, cut the stock off, um, the butt stock off about two, three inches, pinned a Picatinny rail across the top, put a red dot on it and put a four end grip on it. And I mean, that thing was, that thing would rock and roll and just tear some stuff up. It was so great. <laughs> I I was telling somebody like I built this low viz. We were doing um, uh, like low viz stuff. And I built this fucking low viz van out in Baghdad. <laughs> that was like, it was one of those Hodge vans where, and you know, exactly like the yep. blue uh, Pregio or whatever it was. And I had like, you know, stickers all over it. And we went and got like mismatched fucking wheels and tires. And we, we like bailing wired and uh, an AC unit on the top of it. And, and it was perfect because it looked like a pile of fucking trash, but we took it to the mill guys, like the welders and mechanics, and they reinforced the the uh, the, the the shocks and the frame. Then we basically did light light armor on the interiors, like just below the window line. So you still had to get below the window line, and it would only hold seven six two by thirty nine. Anything above it, it's going to fucking rip through it. And, yeah. But then we put. We had stacks of fucking AT4s, basically, that we had Velcroed to the side of the wall. And then... Are you still there? Oh, we got it. Yeah, there it is. But we had, like, stacks of, like, AT4s and Law Rockets. If that thing would have fucking been hit with an RPG, it would have blown up. It would have looked like... uh, It would have created a fucking mushroom cloud at the end of the day. And so... At that point, we had like I, I had like Velcroed, and we had like these Velcroed straps. We put fucking AT fours like strapped to the sides. And we had Law rockets. A dude in the back would always be carrying like a, a, a manual belt fed with like four hundred rounds, and then we'd have another dude, and we had a we had a pendulum system on the back that you could open the fucking doors out and swing a PKM or a fucking heavy weapon out, and he could rock that thing on a fucking pendulum like a like uh, like a slide that would slide out of the fucking back. That and is then, awesome. And it was it was sick as shit. Like that thing would pack so much you, fucking heavy. Well, the problem was, it's like, we were like, we can't, we can't look heavy, but we have to fucking be heavy. And that thing would, 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 if, if, if things went all, all you're missing at this point is a guy in the back with a, with a mounted 60 millimeter mortar that yeah, he seriously. could just, that he could I'm, just, I'm like, fucking surprised we didn't try to get one back there, to be honest oh, with no you. Kidding. I'm fucking de- no I'm dead kidding. And you're just starting to sling 60s out of the back. Yeah. I think that crossed my mind. Actually, I think we had, we had crossed our minds where we were like, "How much shit can we it's get?" It's a very back underrated thing? platform. Those strikers that open up and have one twenties no, in them, fucking dope. It's badass yeah, it's because bad they can as drive as around yeah. and just start, start shelling somebody and then take off. So yeah, you know the ingenuity that the uh, that the uh, soldiers and the marines and the contractors had there early early on. You know, was and and how because you know there was I mean armor was really not existent no i mean you know our ttps for soft skins is i carried my ak across my lap 
Yeah. And the and and it was pointing out the door. Same. And if somebody come up and started shooting, I just pulled the trigger and I'd shoot through the door to shoot them. It's the same. I mean, I had, I I I carried it. That fucking AK became an SOP even in my lap when I was driving, and and I carried that thing. Like, and it was also it was also something I could just fucking drop and didn't care about because it wasn't a, it was something yeah. we taken off target. Yeah. So yeah, access you can get another. I could one. fucking yeah, you can get another one and like that's the front nine frame. You're like yeah. I have a I have a disposable seven sixty yeah. by thirty nine <laughs> that I can shoot through my fucking door, and then we had had. We if took, I lose it, I don't care. Well, I took and I took um, uh, the plates that we had, and I put those at least across the bottom portion of the window along my femurs. So at least if I got seven six two by thirty nine coming through the door, it, it would at least protect my femoral. Right. My, my infantile mind was thinking, right? Like, give me some form of like, <laughs> some form of like stupid security. I'm like, this is great. I got this plate right here. It's going to protect me. It's like, ah, uh, not really, homie. That's not Because you're not wearing a helmet, just yeah. a no, baseball no, hat. I know. I'm wearing, I, was, I was like, no, I was, I was wearing, you know, you're, you're, you're in indage gear. Oh, so yeah. you're, yep. you're dressed up like indage dudes and you're cruising yep. around. And it's so funny because we would, We'd be out on the road doing like whatever low vis thing we were doing, and we would bump into guys that were also doing low vis. So we we bump into guys who were at, like triple canopy, or we jump into like cag guys, and we'd always look at each other like, "You don't look right." And then you'd look over and kind of like, "Oh fuck, okay, we're all doing the same thing in the same area." Hi guys, you know, like uh, I, I remember. On Irish one day, we pulled in behind, uh, do you remember those big Caprice taxi looking fucking things? Oh yeah. And we pulled in behind a Caprice and it was, and you could tell once you got close enough, you could tell it was armored. And it's and just it sitting, like sitting low. No, yeah. you, could, you could just tell things are just a little bit bigger. You yeah. know, the window just has a little bit different, you know, <laughs> optic as you're looking through it. And, uh, and we're like, oh, okay, like this. These are these are our dudes, and it was a group of CAD guys that were doing something out in town, and we pulled in behind them, and then we all went through the gates together, right? Because that was like SOP and Irish. At that well, point you know, was just that's. I, I mean, horrendous. I had I had a couple guys, a couple friends. I mean, one as a contractor, especially if you're going indige. I mean, um, we had a couple guys get shot from. Uh, it was friendly fire because yeah. you got. You know, we what ha- we were coming off Irish, uh, or they, they were. I wasn't with them at this time. We were coming, you know. And if, if you're going from the airport back into town, going to the green zone, as you come up over that bridge, you had yeah. that uh, that right off ramp that went out. Yeah. Well, their the, the bad guys, their TTP was they would come rolling up along that and then Rip just you shoot up, you up and then fucking come back. And on. then they had their their E and E route. Yep. Well, they shot the wheels out. That's about all they did. And Run Flats got us, up, got the guys up on the hill, and they stopped. Um, the lead vehicle had went on ahead. Didn't you know? By the time they were almost to the to the entrance to the green zone, when yeah. uh, no, when they got that. the word that they were hit, so they went counterflow, started coming back, couldn't get back over. So they went back. They went all the way down, and then come back up. Well, in that time, Big Army came in. And it was pretty fresh unit there too. And they had pulled up 
set up a perimeter and the guy on the back had in the he was in a fit had a 50 cal um and our the team leader was standing in the door talking to the uh their tl and uh who was sitting in the same vehicle as a 50 cal he rolls up says hey we got us we got a uh um bmw coming up behind seven series black they're coming up right now he tells him that he goes to tell the gunner up top and the gunner just freaking unloads and since i mean luckily only what no, no one got killed it went it went through the um engine block and hit his foot up. yep yeah you know i know that about. i fucking remember that god damn yep. it <laughs> this yeah. ouch. it took three it took three tourniquets to stop the bleeding yeah um luckily for i mean and this is one of the you know and as i can attest to is i mean the medicine modern medicine from that was developed and and the doctors that put the effort into saving guys is phenomenal because right. he ended up uh they reconstructed his whole ankle and he's walking today that's crazy so, man i i remember that because i was i was there at that time in baghdad and uh, and i remember reading i think it was in a report about that guy and i was like god damn it yeah we would do that we would have that same problem you're rolling through a checkpoint and you know you wanted to look as low as possible because you didn't want to get fucking blown up but then that also made you susceptible to getting shot by joe and we, we would get drawn down on at the fucking checkpoints like all the time but it wasn't i got we we got drawn down on at a checkpoint going through um, do you remember that, that, um, the flying woman, was that what it was called going into Biap? The, 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 the w- there's like that big statue that the yeah, yeah. blowing it up fucking later. Yeah. But we were right there at that checkpoint going into Biap and we had already been through the first phase. So, you know, we checked our IDs and we were in weapons clearing. Right. And the dudes next to us drew down on us as we were clearing our fucking weapons <laughs> we were like you guys we're americans like i'm wearing a fucking big cat card hanging around your neck and you're like dude we're americans like what are you guys doing get fucking back get back and it's like you guys this is not this is this come on man like <laughs> well and they were you know and, and that's when i mean deductive you know, and reasoning I, I, yeah and that's back that's when i mean shoot you know um Every time we went up and down Irish during that time, we were getting shot at. There was a mosque on the uh, um, about that was halfway the, that down was the south side se- on the on yep. the yeah, yeah after yeah. second bridge. Yep, leaving by yep. a that thing was fucking every prayer, day. Yep, those dudes would come out and anything that it was a black SUV that went by, they shot yeah. at. Yeah, <laughs> anything, but, anything. Um, you know, and I think that's one. And you know, I, I you look back and I think that was one of the mistakes that we made. And I think, you know, I got to put it on Rumsfeld probably is uh, because the lack of troops is, you know, we tried to go in there and tried this new philosophy of I'm going to secure the convoy instead of secure the route. Right. And in reality, I mean, you got, you know, if you're going to be for true security, you got to secure the route because then you can travel at your will instead of at their will. Right. Um, And we just never did that. And that's the unfortunate thing. Uh, I think we could have changed things up a lot if we'd have had the right number of people there and and just secured it. And again, it's that philosophy of the time. I mean, we don't want America to look like 
the big bad guy that's coming in here trying to do this. And, um, I mean, I don't know. I think at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's the laziness and the unwillingness of, of, of higher tier leaders to do what needs to be done because you're already putting us over there. We're already in danger. And then giving us freaking handcuffs like that in situations. I I, I think, I think that's, I think that's, that's, that stems from political correctness in war it doesn't belong in war but that's the problem is war is not politically correct so they're trying to implement these these arbitrary rules of political correctness like uh, on top of like the 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 most inhumane thing on the planet right it's like Like, oh but we're we're gonna be you guys are okay to go out and kill people but we have rules about it but we're but we're gonna we're not gonna create any enemies and it's like no (laughs) you guys are gonna fuck this up is what you're gonna do this is like bureaucratic attorneys and politicians getting involved in shit that they really don't have no understanding of and it's not them either it's not them that's out there no no right so they're fine with making ah no we we need to the, we need to hey, tighten the ROE and stop the bombs and all this stuff. It's like, hey, it's Joe's like, Joe's need more body armor. Like, get get him more body armor. It's like, no, stop them from getting shot at. Like, shoot the people that are Kill shooting the people them. that are shooting at them and just <laughs> like, exterminate that's, them. That's the best way to avoid a gunshot. You take a you take an IED. You level the neighborhood, and guess what? The neighborhoods will stop letting IEDs <laughs> been put near them, or the neighborhood They'll doesn't start exist. Policing themselves. You make it yeah, you more gotta, costly to side with the bad guys <laughs> and that's exactly it is i mean you know uh it's um it's kind of like somebody asked me uh, a few years ago you know how do you think we should stop isis i'm like well here because here's the average joe the average not the, the average isis guy the average fedayeen i mean they were doing it because that's the only way they could make money yeah they exactly. weren't the hardcore guys i mean isis guys they come in you know They'll come in and pay some family twenty thousand dollars for to send two of their sons to go fight and be martyrs. It's going to change the life of that family forever. And <laughs> Dave just chimed in. You know what will win these wars? More uniform colors. Yeah, yeah. Let's change the camouflage. <laughs> yeah, in the worked. middle of a fucking war, let's yeah, worry let's, about the fucking color of our uniform. No, these I, people, I, it, yeah, are exactly. idiots. Exactly. Hey, exactly. If, if I, mean, I, you know what? Let's change the beret, and let's change the color of the uniform. Everything's going to be okay. But, but hey, you're going to have to keep the old color of your body armor for at least four years. Yeah. So don't. we have new uniforms, but we, you're going to be mismatched. Like and by the time you get the, the, matched, the matched body armor, we already changed the uniform yeah. again. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I the U.S. Mean, Army made sure that nobody, nobody was uniform. It, it's, almost like, it's, it's almost like they're like, you know what? I want to see how fucking ridiculous this can be. Like, let's just get this as crazy and as stupid as we can fucking I, make I it. I would love to find the people the the brass that were in charge of that and just, just it's going to be hard because out, they're playing golf somewhere right yeah. now and who yeah they're re- they're what? retired and now they're working for, for that raytheon company. or northrop grumman <laughs> or or, or uh, point blank body armor yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the very the very guy that you know put a stamp on giving them the contract he's probably got a job over there i, I and it's and it's really it's not it's not the it's not all it's that one in 10. It was like the guy yes. that was like, I'm going to really make my mark. Like this is how I'm going this is, to be. This promoted. is my legacy. This is it. This is my legacy. I'm going to change the parade. You know, I, well, got this. and you look at, you know, 
I mean, there was, you know, first the arm, I mean, that, and that, whatever color it is, I don't know if I, I hate to even call it camouflage because I think. Was it? That digital, that digital ACU, pattern ACU. color. Yeah. Yeah. It's the only horrible. thing you could blend into was like a couch. Gravel. Like I don't gravel, know what like I don't gray know what, gravel. I don't know what went on, and that thing was heavy. It had fucking zippers and stupid as so fuck. fucking. Stupid. Anybody that was involved in that program, you are a fucking moron. Oh, cool, cool. <laughs> it's like they're Harbor Freight. Yeah, they're Harbor Velcro, Freight. Velcro yeah. and zippers. You, you are a tool. You're a sky like, crane. I was the great largest with my, tool known to man. I was great with my buttons, man. Yeah. I was great with my buttons. You can put fucking Velcro on the pockets for your patches. There was nothing the wrong bu- with the DCUs. The they buttons were, light. were great, man. Yeah. yeah, they were light. They were fucking great. Yeah. Like, nah, now we man. need zippers and Velcro. Hey, let's let's go ahead and thicken this uniform up. Make let's you make it a really color that doesn't sweat. make any sense. Yeah. Oh, it, yeah. You're in the you're you're out in the middle of a night in an op. And it's like you got to reach down and freaking pull something out of your pocket. You got to open up the velcro, and all you hear is like, and everybody, yeah. everybody within a hundred yards. <laughs> hey, I know that sound. I I know that sound. That's a private trying to get a gummy bear right there. I don't know what the fuck is going on? That's exactly what that is. And oh, while we're at it, let's make sure the enemy can differentiate all four branches of the service. Yeah, let's go ahead and just <laughs> We all need our own identity, you know? Yes. We're uniform, but we yeah. all need our own identity. Yeah. We yes. definitely don't want to sink any of this and make sure that everybody knows who's who in the zoo. Like that's that's a really good idea. I I don't know. I would love to have that conversation with one of the generals that was party of that. I don't want to hear his justification. I do. I want. Hey, I, want I would love to have right him the on the fucking show and go. You're dumb as fuck. Explain to me. Yeah. Change my mind. Change get, my get mind. The, no, get the Crowder think. thing up here, which is. We, I think you're dumb as fuck. Sit. We need to change my mind. Do this in front though. of the base. It, yeah. I'll bet you. I'll bet you money. It wasn't a general. Because generals have to ask to ask to answer to Congress. That was a lieutenant commander or a full bird who's trying to get his general, and he's yeah. trying to make that change because look what I did. I did something different than all these other ass clowns. Sir, and I, I, you know, that's, that's that let's guy. Let's hunt him down. Let's that's just that, hunt that's him that's down. That's that guy that's going, sir, you're never going to believe how great I am. Let's, let's after, hunt down the godfather of the ACU so, and let's just fuck with him. Like, let me get on my knee pads and explain to you how great I am, sir. <laughs> and regardless, I have got a mouth chocked full of Vaseline right now. I, am, I, am, just... I have the softest mouth and the strongest knees. I'm going to fucking change the way that the uniform is made in the United States Army. That's what got that done. That's how it the is. softest you know mouth with why the strongest film, knees. Why don't we film reenactments of this? Like, like take the most ridiculous decisions ever made in the last 20 years in the military and start filming how we think it went down. Lieutenant Colonel Smithers made a great call. But let's use their real names. I'll tell you what. I'm going to put you in for a bronze star. The coffee you made this morning was incredible, Stan. By the way, your golf swing is amazing. <laughs> oh, fuck those privates. All those guys are dead. Doesn't matter. Fuck it. Let's go. <laughs> Long-lasting psychological effects only, only are on the enlisted. Oh, we don't have to worry about that bullshit. <laughs> Get over here. Let me suck your dick. That's like the guy that freaking told Bremer to freaking, hey, let's just disband the whole army all at once. Yeah. Hey, no, no. I, I, yeah, that's right. It's debathification. Yeah. That was the intellectual brainchild of five 
mental morons. Yes. Debathify Iraq. That that right there was that set in place a series of fucking dominoes and we were in country. We were in watching CNN on the fucking news when Rumsfeld was talking and we were watching CNN on like uh, on the on the fucking TV in our team room. We we're watching this and we were like this is the dumbest shit we've ever fucking heard of. These guys want to take all the guys that have the guns, by the way, <laughs> fire them and put them back out on the fucking streets. streets. And we're like, are you and, trying to cause a goddamn insurgency? And then you make fucking it. retarded? <laughs> like, are you fucking crazy? What are you doing? Oh, exactly. You know, and it's like, I mean, how hard is it to really, I mean, the whole concept of studying history, you know, we didn't even do that in Germany after that. Who did we hire to freaking take care of Germany? We kept the mid-level Nazis yeah. in place because they knew how it all ran. Well, yeah, and, and those control things. And, and but most of oh, those no. guys weren't like full-on fucking Nazis. They were just dudes that were like, "Yeah, it's my oh, it's my job." Right. I guess this guy Hitler. I guess he's fucking. He's the he's the guy. You know, he's, they weren't like Goebbels, and it's like it's the same thing. We had a we had a ton of bath guys that were working for us. And they were legit fucking guys. They're like, yeah, Saddam was an asshole, but he kept things in check. You guys are fucked up by not working with it. You guys are, you guys are asking. You guys are asking oh, that for was, a fight. That was one thing that I was told. I've met, I met a, a very well English-speaking Iraqi on a med cap, and I, I asked him, and I was like, what do you think of this? He's like, Saddam was a dick, but he made it safe for my kids to play outside. He goes, since you guys showed up, we can't do anything. Yeah, but you can't, like, you, you can't, you can't walk outside to take a fucking piss in your backyard. And if if we classified that as a success, like that, that was the whole thing with this. It's like, you know, being patriotic and loving your country and serving your country in a time of war doesn't mean that you can't criticize and or look at the decisions that were being made, how they were being made and say, I wholly, wholeheartedly disagree with what you're doing. However, I have a fucking job to do, right? So it's like, I disagreed. I would say weekly on some of the fucking policy issues like that whole thing where you had the green zone and then you had a group of exiled Iraqis that were I mean they were literally do you remember those guys what was that what was that what was that group called in the green zone that were that were forming legislation forget the name of it but no shit we were being engaged at least on an every other day basis. And these fucktards were making traffic regulations. I'm not yeah. joking. Yeah. I'm not joking. Yeah. They're like, hey, we got to get some police out there to enforce this uh, speed limit and the stop signs. There's people are what abiding do you mean? by the, traffic. The, 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 and you're like, get the fuck the out of here, stand man. still traffic in the 600 car yeah, lines at I, every gas station? <clears throat> what are you policing at that point? I'm not fucking around, man. These guys were fucking absolutely moronic. Like we got to get some, we got to get some cops out there to enforce traffic because it's bad. And it's like, you know what's bad? You know why? Because there's a goddamn burning fucking car in the middle of the road that just exploded. <laughs> that just fucking exploded yeah. and yeah. killed like forty fucking people. Traffic 
here does not have anything to do with people abiding fucking stop signs. They're running from gunfire and explosions and getting fucked up. You're not going to enforce a 35 fucking mile per hour speed limit if you're dodging a fucking RPG. Like, get the fuck out of here. I'm going to drive 90. Like, get get on you. That is so true. So true. And I mean, the Iraqis never listened to anybody that was trying to direct them in anything anyways. No. I mean, how many times, you know, you have this big sign on the back of the freaking last vehicle, (laughs) tail in Charlie vehicle that says, stay back a thousand yards, otherwise you will be shot. Yeah. In Iraqi. In Iraqi. The guy guy drives real close just so he can read it. Yeah. He's, what do they have to say to me? What are they handing out water? No. (laughs) They're handing out 556. Oh, shot. Oh, she is <laughs> handing out five five six. That's what we're handing out. Little little tasty treat. For <laughs> little you. little treats for you. Little package, nice and full metal jacket. <laughs> <laughs> they, I, uh, I I really like was that. I think it was like oh six. I think it might have been oh six when the brainchild and and somewhere at the DOD decided we needed to give all the Iraqis Glocks. That was fucking <laughs> incredible. That was probably we got to get all these Iraqi police because they're all on the level. Glocks, <laughs> hell yeah! And was probably to keep our base in Italy. I guarantee Dude, it. They fucking <laughs> and it was like the first thing oh, all no, they that's did was like they a bunch of them, and there was no accountability either. They, there was zero accountability. <laughs> hey, they were just for like everybody. Glocks for everybody. They backed up a fucking dump truck, fucking pulled them all out. The first thing a lot of them did was they went and sold it on the fucking black market. If you were up in her bill and you went to the market, you found the right guy, you could get you... You can get anything, man. Yep. Like, get a, I mean, a Glock. You can get a Stinger you missile. You get a Glock cheaper in Erbil. I went to a gun market in Kirkuk. You could buy you could buy a fucking Glock cheaper in Kirkuk at that time than you could in the fucking states. I was like, I should just buy my Glocks here and take them home. One ten a piece. Yeah, this is fucking great. I'll take nine, please. Brand new in the box. Ah, yeah. Can I have nine, please? Do you have a a box for nine? How did you guys get these brand new Glocks in the box? Oh, we have a dump truck full of them. Don't worry about them. The DOD dropped them off. It says U.S. on it. Door prizes. It's buy one get one free. Don't worry about it. (laughs) So when when we were training the Iraqi SWAT teams, they would bring a team in. We were over on we were on the backside of Bayat next to. Area five, right? Yeah, yeah. I know exactly that range. Yeah, that's where I mean, that I, range. Yeah. I lived there about four years, and uh, we were we had we'd bring these guys in. We'd do a ten week training on them, and then we would take them out on a couple hits, go do some stuff, and then we would send them back to their hometown. And uh, then periodically, so another company had the contract. DynCore had the contract to have mentors with them. Yep. So the mentors they put with them were police officers, were SWAT officers. And I, I you know, anybody out there, I'm not, I'm not dogging on SWAT officers. Those no. dudes are freaking great, but they're not. Most of them at that time were not meant for Iraq. Right. And when they would come in to do training at the end of the training cycle, well, it was actually at the beginning, we would issue every one of them a Glock. Every one of them an AK, and then they would get body armor. They would get breaching tools. They would—I mean, everything that every SWAT team across the country here in America doesn't have, they got. They got. Now, most times, the chief of police would be the one that took that, 
And like you just said, he would go and sell that stuff and then come back and say, hey, it all got stolen. Can I get some more? <laughs> yeah. And oh somebody would God. be like, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's yeah. re-outfit him. Yeah. Hey, oh, of course. We oh got my, a dump truck full. Y- you know, you know, it's like, you know, Muhammad's a good dude. He said that they got stolen. Dan, Steve. We got to order some more Glocks. We got to order some more Glocks. Uh, you know, they got to order some more Glocks. I saw Eli over here trying yeah. to buy one of them. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so I, I know you're super busy right now with doing a lot of stuff. Like you, you're working with, are you working with uh, the Silent Warrior Foundation? Is that what you're working with? Um, well, the found, I, I got a couple things. So me and my wife started um, Shadow Warriors Project. Shadow Warriors. Yeah, yeah, I was at your fundraiser last year with you for that. Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, we're helping guys that are private security contractors and their families that really, there's nothing out there for them. Uh, I mean, one of our big ones right now is, uh, we had a family, the, the wife was in the army. She got out. Um, he was in the army. He got out, become a contractor. Um, they got five kids this last March. Um, he couldn't handle things anymore and, uh, he ended up taking his own life. And so now. The VA, and this is the struggles that contractors have, is the VA is saying that, well, his PTS was from being a, con- was from being a contractor. Right. Contractors have workman's comp insurance, and that's it. Yeah. Workman's comp insurance is saying, well, it was from when he was a military, so no one wants to help him out. They're not getting any benefits, that kind of thing. So uh, those, are the guy- those are the guys and gals and the families that, you know, we- that get left out that we're helping out. <laughs> Yeah, how's that work, Mark, with, because I would think, based on what what we both did and, and the insurance that was associated with that, because there are a, there's a fairly substantial um, amount of guys that deployed, and most of us, and most of us experienced more conflict in those positions than we did in the military. And right. So, you know, I, I would have a hard time believing that we don't have a pretty substantial class action lawsuit if we united our front against, yeah. against the, the G. Like, what, what's your take on that? Well, I'll, and I'll give you an example. And there's one guy that's kind of pushing that envelope right now. Um, I don't know. And I can share his name because he doesn't have a problem. You, did you know Mojo? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So his story and his story's been out there so I can share yeah. it. He was working oh, I, in Beirut. Yeah, that's it's fucking horrible story, dude. Yeah. And he starts having chest pains. He goes to the he goes to the embassy and sees the PA who's there at the embassy cuz that PA's whole job is to take care of US personnel right. that work at the embassy. He turns around and tells him, oh, "I can't treat you because you're a contractor." Yep. He gets, so he works for the same person, the same company I worked for. They tell him, you're going to have to go out in town to see a doctor. Yep. What? No, that, this is a fucking true story. It's horrible, dude. Oh my God. Imagine working for a three letter agency and getting sent out in town to work to, to get treated. He goes out there to the hospital. Now, of course, he's not going to go by himself. We got his back. Yet guys go out. The doctor says, well, you got extensive heartburn. 
he ain't got heartburn. No. But because the doctor said that, the powers to be said, well, if you go home, you're breaking your contract. Yep. You don't have a med release. Yep. So he toughs it out. They make him take a PT test. Oh, yeah. And I, re- and I know the shit bag that did that, too. That guy's okay. a fucking piece of shit. They did. They, I mean, they made him do a PT test. Yeah. Because they, they said he was shamming. They said oh, he was yeah. shamming. God. And so it came back into the team room and fucking put him through a PT test and said, get your shit on. You're going to go do a PT test. So he ends up. Once he, re- he once he deploys back stateside, he immediately goes to his doctor. His doctor's like, dude, you need to go see a cardiologist right now. He immediately goes to a cardiologist. They take him in for open heart surgery because he's got pericarditis so bad that he's almost dead. Yeah. Why are we not kicking the shit out of these people? Like dragging this guy that made him take the PT test into the yard and just beating the fuck out of him. Oh, he's a he's a GS. I, well, yep. We could we can we he's can help with in. that. We can help with that. He's still in. We can tell that story all One day of the long. Biggest fucking dirt bags in that entire fucking office. Yep. You know, and 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 that's not start the, outing I mean, these motherfuckers. You know, and that's that's not yeah. the only one that's happened like that. I no, mean, there's. Dude, one of my buddies was shot um, up in uh, northern Iraq. They fucking patched him up, put him on a civilian fucking flight, landed in Vegas, and checked himself into a fucking emergency room. How how has this not been fixed yet? Because Because dudes dudes like us don't say anything. We're not loud (laughs) enough. We don't have, like, the guys don't have any fucking money. Right. And they're getting dump trucked by the system. But yet you got guys that say that they were, you know, because of their sexuality, that they were harassed and they're getting fucking getting paid, paid out, out to shut your mouth. Well, yeah. You know, and so here's what happens. Okay. An example, I'll give my, my, my story for example. Okay. I got injured over there. I get back. I go from Benghazi to Tripoli. I get my life saving Libyan doctors is what saved my life um, in Tripoli. They at a Libyan hospital. Then I get to Germany have a couple more operations. Um, then I get finally my blood work and everything stabilizes. They let me fly me back to uh, Walter Reed. And luckily, because of all of the um, hoopla over yeah. Benghazi, yep. they gave me what is called Secretary of Defense designee status, yep. which allowed me to get all my life-saving medical and reconstruction done in military hospitals. So I'm sitting in, uh, I'm sitting in Walter Reed. My wife had finally made it out. Um, and my daughters and, uh, I'm sitting there and I figure, Hey, I know my pay as a contractor stops the day my feet leave the country I'm contracted to work in. Yep. So on September 12th, when I flew out of Tripoli, my pay stops. Mm-hmm. Now I'm on workman's comp. Well, when I'm in the hospital for six weeks, it's kind of hard to file for workman's comp. I call the guy that's in charge of uh, GRS. I'm like, hey, dude, what do I got to do to get this started? Because, you know, this is probably three weeks, two weeks into being home. I'm like, I know I'm going to be going back state, back home now. I've got to find a way to pay bills. And He's like, he prints off the paperwork off the Department of Labor website, brings yep. it in and hands it to me. My wife's sitting there with me and he hands it to me and he says, 
here's, here's, you just got to fill this stuff out. Okay. Now, remember I'm left. I used to be left-handed before I got blown up. So my left hand is the one that got injured. I can't write. Um, I'm like, Hey, can you help me fill this out? He says, no, nah, that'd be a conflict of interest. Jesus I'm a conflict Christ. of interest. I'm like, really? Okay. <laughs> I'll get it figured out. So, you know, and I, I mean the DBA program. So now your pay, you know, we got paid good as contractors. I was making probably close to 750 a day, but then it goes from that to five grand a month. Yeah. And that doesn't kick in until I file all the paperwork. So I file the paperwork. I send it into Department of Labor. Department of Labor then finds whichever insurance company has the contract. And there's only one or two if it's a classified contract. Right. <clears throat> Rutherford. I call up. They give me the number to call. Now we're back. Now we're, we're towards the end of October, 1st of November. And uh, then uh, getting on probably, I think it was, actually it was around Veterans Day. Because I finally got a hold of the, uh, the lady. She worked out of Chicago. And I call up and I'm like, yeah, hey, this is who I am. My name's Mark Geis. I got injured overseas. And uh, I need to file my claim. She's like, well, what happened to you? I'm like, oh, not much. You know, I got blown up three times. Uh, my arm was about severed off. I had about 25 holes in me. Um, and I just got out of the hospital. And she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean anything bad by it. I'm like, why are you sorry? You don't know me from Adam. And what's it matter if I have a broken ankle or if I have 25 holes in me? You should be more respectful. And that's, the, that's what workman's comp is. And then, you know, I had to go back to Walter Reed to get more surgeries. Well, to get back there, the people I worked for, it's not written in the contract to have to on a line item to provide money to fly back or fly me or my family back for surgery. And it was a major surgery. Um, I had three doctors working on me on three different limbs at one time. And I didn't know until the night before the surgery that they were going to fly me back. And insurance won't pay for it because they're like, well, you can get the same surgery in Colorado. I'm like, no, I can't. Because there ain't no doctors that do this in Colorado or that have been inside my body 10 times already. And that's really what contractors have to deal with. I mean, and they don't, there's no family support, you know, like like the army, they have all that set up now. Well, and even, Uh, even as a guy, Mark, like I'm, you know, granted, I, I, you know, everybody knows we run black rifle right now. The labor laws are, and they have been forever, which is if I bring somebody in as a 1099, they are very strict requirements for that person acting as a 1099. Now I know enough. I didn't know about it even five years ago. Right. What we were doing was absolutely illegal for the federal government to do. Yeah. Because yeah, you're not 1099. Absolutely not. But they, tr- they, <laughs> I mean, they hired us as 1099s. We were treated as 1099s, but they dictated what we wore, when we were, when we were supposed to show up, like our work hours, anything and everything that I have to abide by as a business to right. hire a 1099 and the differentiation between a 1099 and a W-2 the government absolutely broke the law 100% in yes. hiring these guys as contractors. 
Yes. There's absolutely I mean, zero, zero hesitation in the way that I, I say that because now I know we couldn't do it right now in our company. Yeah. If I right. hired, if I hired a guy as a 1099 and told him you have to be here nine to five in a shirt, in a shirt that I provide you in and here's your you, weapon and here's, here's your, your computer. I require you to use. Here's your, here's your computer that you have to use. Right. Here's your work. Here's here's your work schedule. Here's your training. Here's this. Here's that. That guy is a W two. The government, the IRS, would come back and say, "Fuck you." That guy's a W two. Pay taxes. <laughs> but the G gets to break it whenever right. they want. And the Base Defense Act, which oh by the way, I've got a great story for this. The person uh, with DBA, because it was on a different side of the fence for over there for a while, she didn't know. She called, she told me, I was like, hey, I need to get connected in with insurance. I've told you the story, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. This mm-hmm. mouth-breathing fucking moron <laughs> told me to call DBA. <laughs> she said, hey, why don't you just call DBA? And I'm like, because it's an act, it doesn't have a telephone number. <laughs> It doesn't have a fucking telephone number, idiot. <laughs> oh, well, you don't need it. I'm like, no, it's required. You have to give it to me. You have to provide insurance. It's, this is required. Yeah. They didn't know enough yeah. about it to even fucking do it. The act is the thing that requires yes. you to provide. Like, and I and I, I wanted to pull up that fucking thing how how bill becomes a law and and try to fucking explain it to her in crayons with a fucking <laughs> stick figure, but she's so incompetent she didn't fucking know what she was talking about, and I'm having to explain this to her and I'm like you guys have been doing this since this organization was established in 1952 and you don't know what the fuck I'm talking about? No. Yep. <laughs> but Mark yep. is explaining something that of it's our generation so of, of anything this podcast could do right into this podcast, right into the page. If you were a contractor in the last 10 years, 30, yeah, 15, 20, 15, fuck, yeah. I don't know. Fucking anything. 18. Oh, fucking Let's yeah. let's let's fucking move the ball down the road. Like, let's do it. Log in and and <clears throat> plug it again, Mark. Tell me where you're at. Um, it's we're Shadow Warriors right. You can catch us on Facebook. We got our website, um, and it's ran by just me and my wife. I mean, my wife does all the work. As she says, I'm just the ugly face that is in front of it. Um, she's she's the she does she does it as a labor of love. I mean, right. um, but. Uh, because you're right. I mean, right now, what most here's here's two things, three things that most people don't know. Since 2001, there's been approximately 5,000 contractors killed in 60 different countries right. in the war on terror. Yeah, there's been almost 30,000 injured. Yep. There's your other statistic. Right now in Afghanistan, there's approximately 11,000 service members. For every service member that's in Afghanistan, there's at least two contractors. Now, most of the contractors aren't all private security. That they don't come from the, you know, from our backgrounds. But they're still out there. Some of them are third country nationals, mm-hmm. but they are still out there. There's a ton of them out there that are. I mean, they're doing the jobs that every that typically are filled by. Soldiers, sailors, and marines, and airmen. Well, yeah, but 
and it's a travesty, man. When you look at the way that contracts are bid on, who wins them, especially when it comes to third third country national contracts, those guys those guys get nothing. Oh, they get they get nothing. they get fucking blown up. Bye. Oh yeah. Not yeah, even, we not had even a, guy, a fucking handshake on the way out the door, son. Remember when they were building the, the new Abu Ghraib right on the other side of... Um, oh, of course. Yes. Um, exactly Biop right out about. there? Yeah. We got hit by... Um, they got hit by mortars. You know, we'd get those mortar or those 120 millimeter rockets coming. Yeah. They got hit. We ran over there, me and another medic. We get over there. There's a guy. This dude was... I mean, he was jacked. He was from Bangladesh. Um. Triple amputee, probably 10, 15 perforations in his chest. He was conscious. Um, we were able to get the bleeding stopped. We got him over to the medical facility at the Air Force, and he died on the slab, which was probably the best thing for him, unfortunately. And I don't mean to be crass on that because there's no way a triple amputee right. that would have been in his condition could have went back to Bangladesh and been anything other than you know, sitting something on chair. the corner. Yeah. yeah. Sitting in the corner begging. Yeah. I mean, but that's, that's what goes on. I mean, well, just, just you know, as many and as of my friends that were, that were killed in the military were killed as contractors. Yep. It's, it's almost 50, 50. Yeah. Yep. And, and they were killed doing the same, literally the same job in a if different, not uniform. a higher profile job. Yeah. More, more covert, more, sneaky well and and i get that piece like when you have to when you have to have shred out guys doing ownership. covert yeah. but that's a very very small percentage of contractors ever yeah but it doesn't mean that the government has to abandon them no but but they they're abandoning everybody yeah. like if you're oh. a contractor and not only i mean i know mark saw this not when he was problem. over there like contractors were directly discriminated against in the office all the time. Guys with special operations backgrounds were discriminated against in the office. Absolutely. Now that I know enough about HR because I've been fucking running this company, it's like if you had a fucking special forces tab or if you came from a force recon background or something like that, you automatically were under a, were under a fucking microscope because management... A lot of the guys within the agency had Jealous. jealousy, yes, jealousy, blatant jealousy. Oh, I was in the secret service. Hey guys, I checked IDs at the white house. I'm just as fucking cool as you are. I know how to shoot a pistol. I remember my breaching course. Hey guys, I know <laughs> no, you guys you say that you're super badass, but I was a, hi guys, I, I'm I was secret a, service. I was a plane. I was a deputy in a small town in have Virginia. You ever, have you ever held, have you ever held an MP5? Check this out, guys. This 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 round heavy ball has a pin in it. This Let's just is, pull that out. It doesn't seem to work. HK stands for Heckler and Cock. Yeah. Cock. And that cock, cock <laughs> seems to work. Well, anybody who's been over there knows that blue trumps green and green trumps yellow. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mark, I fucking love this conversation, hey, man. This is awesome. Let's let's get you back on the show so we can talk specifically about your initiatives. I'm gonna pull people to. over to to your nonprofit. Like, keep up the fucking fight, man. Like, let us know how we can help in any way. I say, I say, let's do it, man. Let's let's get a group of contractors together, especially some, after that. Get some people fired. Three letter agency. Oh. And just yeah. fucking take the boots to that fucking place. Good luck. Well, Good luck, government. Know, That's all I got to say. You've built a fucking would, horrible uh, institution of ineptitude. 
<laughs> we've got the right avenue because Mojo's fire, Mojo filed an IG complaint and they've went through all that. Um, I won't go into the details about that right now, but yeah. uh, I mean, it's there's there's enough things out there for that. I mean, it's just I, absolutely- I, I know I know of ten guys off the top of my head, dude. That like, and you do too. You know, probably another ten. Yeah. And I mean, between all the guys that we know that were either <laughs> fucked up or are fucked up. I mean, I, I know guys right now that like they're they're having issues with with fucking pts and all kinds of other fucking weird shit. oh yeah i mean and the other yeah, issue you know, is like think about all the burning trash these guys fucking inhaled and how many months on the ground were you in afghanistan and Kabul? the mill is automatically getting a 10 percent or whatever rating because of the, the the particulate in the air if you did a rotation in Kabul, and this is this is a big one like this is well, and it's like it's like this. like this is a big project. It is. It's so huge. That can help a lot of people. Because yeah. here's some of the leverage they have. You, do we have a few more minutes? Fuck yeah, go for it. Okay, because um, you know, and I kind of went down a rabbit hole with the whole contractor thing. But and that but here's how they have leverage over you. So the insurance companies. Okay, so they're paying me five grand a month, and then as long then I got to go in. I mean, I was still getting operations done by the Air Force Academy, doctors up here. And then all of a sudden, the insurance said I had to get me a workman's comp doctor. And this workman's comp doctor, um, I, I don't even know what to say about that. <laughs> but I would have to go in what, once every month, once every couple weeks. And him to evaluate whether or not I was able to go back to work or not. I mean, my arm was the size of my leg. I still going through operations and they're trying, they want me to get evaluated to, to work. Uh, see if I can work. Yeah. Because the only thing the insurance is worried about is getting you back to working capability as fast as they can. So they don't pay you no more. Right. Okay. So. I go through all of that three, I don't know, three, four years later. It's, I finish up. The doctor finally says, well, um, the Air Force asked me if I want any more operations. I've been through, I think, 14. I, I just got tired of going under the gas. I was going to just live with what's left. And it, I mean, and I can't complain. They, they did a phenomenal job on putting my arm back together um, and all of that. So now they say that, okay, you've, you've reached where... We're going to have to determine your disability. Well, when they figure out my disability, it's can I go back and do the same thing that I was doing? Well, then they, when they do that, they rated me as, of course, 100% because I have no feet or very limited feeling in my left hand. Really makes it difficult to change mags, at least efficiently. Right. Um, things like that. So now they tell you once you get rated like that, your monthly paycheck that they're paying you. And for me, I was lucky it didn't happen. But for other guys that we've helped out, they quit. They cut them off on getting their disability check. Because to get your, to get your, you get your workman's comp check, but it's not disability yet because now you have to have a hearing in front of a administrative judge. And that administrative judge may not be in your area for three months. And 
Now you have to survive on your last $5,000 check for the next three months, making your house payments, making all your bills and doing all that. And then they sit there and try to offer you what you're dis- they'll, they'll negotiate with you. Okay. What is your, gonna, what's your disability going to be? What, or what, what is the payout? Because I have the option of them paying me $5,000 for the rest of my life. But if I do that, if I make more than, um, so disability is based on, I could, maxing it out is you get two thirds of what your monthly pay was. Right. Okay. Maxed out at $5,000. So the most they could ever pay you is $5,000. But if you were working, doing something else, you can, they will deduct that from your $5,000 after they've cleared you to go back to some type of work right? or whatever the percentage they're paying you. So now you go from 5,000 and they're going to offer you 1,500 or 2,000. For me, they, you know, they, they were going to leave it at 5,000. But if I would have went out and worked, if I was doing the speaking stuff, if I was doing any of that, that's going to get deducted from that. Otherwise, I can take a lump sum. So they figure, okay, Mark Geist is going to live to be 72 years old. That's the age. That's the average age that they've determined. Um, He gets paid $5,000 a month. That's $60,000 a year. I'm 53 years or 52 years old. So for another 20 years comes out to this number. Well, we're not going to pay you that million five. So. We offer you $150,000. If you want to take that, we can pay that right now. And then you can go make all the money you want. And, <laughs> yep. and they use that. That's the leverage that they have over contractors. One, keeping them quiet because we'll quit paying you money. Yeah. You know, I mean, unless you can, unless you were financially able to live on nothing, most of these guys are going to take, uh, and they don't understand the, the DBA and how that workman's comp works. A lot of them don't get an attorney when they do that. Nope. And one thing is anybody, if you get injured out there yeah. as a contractor. Lawyer up. Yeah, get you a lawyer. Lawyer They up. have to pay. It's, the only plus side is through the DBA Act, the insurance company has to pay for that attorney. Yep. So, which is kind of a... You know, that, I, I, I wonder if they have divided loyalties. Most of the ones I've talked with, I don't believe they did. They were, they were good. But, they're, I mean, they're making a living. Mm-hmm. They want to get that off their desk and move on. Um, but that's where the insurance companies have leverage over you. I mean, they kept, you know, okay, well, if you don't take two hundred and fifty or 300000 that's our last offer. We're walking away. They walk away. Well, now they're not going to come back to you for another two or three months. Right. So you're trying to make ends meet, which you can't because you're not making no money unless, you know, you for some reason are or you have that capability. Um, so you don't hold out. You end up taking a low bulb thing and that's it. Um. And it's, it's sad. I mean, they pay you half of what, you know, the settlements are a third of what you could, what they should be paying you. 
Yeah, and they and it's and not they're, even they're, their money. Yeah, but that's the problem is they 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 should be legally bound to pay you exactly what that number is because on the civilian side, yeah, you have to. There's like, no like there's hey, no there's no like uh, negotiation. We're not coming back. See, that's it's, the difference between state workmen's comp and federal workmen's right. comp. On state workmen's comp, there's in most states I've dealt with, there is a bad faith clause. Right. If the insurance company acts in bad faith, okay, then you're you can sue them. Federal government doesn't have that. Hmm. We had a guy. He was working in Israel. He was swimming for a PT test to stay in shape. One day he was out swimming about four and a half foot water. He gets caught in an undertow, pulled under. The next wave comes in, slams on him. He drives his neck into the seabed. It bruises his C4. He breaks his neck and he has a contusion, uh, a spinal cord contusion. He's a quadriplegic. He goes into um, cardiac arrest. Luckily, there was a IDF soldier on the beach, a retired IDF soldier that pulled him out, saved his life. Um, he was in hospital in Israel for a little while. He leaves there, flies back to the States. He gets in at the spinal center. In, uh, it's the Shepherd Center in Atlanta. Um, DBA immediately notifies him that they are not going to cover it because he wasn't he's, working. Yeah, he's swimming. He was swimming. Yeah. Okay. Luckily, the company he worked for had insurance. They required, he had personal insurance through, he was a subcontractor of one of the big um, Entities, contracting right? companies that no longer, that's, a different name now. <laughs> okay. He, uh, his personal insurance runs out. So as he is like all of us, he doesn't complain. He's like, okay, I can't pay for it. He doesn't even say nothing to the shepherd center. He checks himself out of the hospital. His wife comes, picks him up and takes him home. So he's got five kids. Um, Luckily, so a local news station, Fox News station down in Atlanta did a story on him. That's how we found out about him. Um, luckily for me, I'd had, because of the notoriety I've had, I was able, to, I've been able to um, become friends with Charlie Daniels and his, and, and his, and his manager, right. um, David Corlew. They have a nonprofit called uh, Journey Home, Journey Home Project. Um, they have a relationship with the Shepherd Center. I called him up. I'm like, hey, I got a guy. He wasn't military. He was a uh, paramedic and a SWAT officer for 20 years before he started contracting. Um, I said, I got a guy in Atlanta. This is his story. He calls up the Shepherd Center, puts him in touch with me. Shepherd Center says, you know what? We'll cover it all. I called him up. I'm like, hey. Let me, I've got something in the works. Um, stand by, we're going to get you back in. Uh, this, is a, this is a little rough story for me, but um, so we got him back in. He's, I mean, the dude's doing great. This three, about six months ago, he took about 15 steps. He was told he'd never walk again. He, wow. he could walk on it. He took 15 steps all by himself. Um, that's, but uh it's incredible first time i got to meet him in person i was oh. down in atlanta at a fundraiser for shepherd center and he's telling the story 
And that night that I called him, he was going to kill himself. And me calling him is what stopped it. Because he didn't think he had anybody to help him. Right. We got to blow this up. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm fired up. Dude, I, I, I'll tell you, man. I like, want to fucking scorched like, earth with this. Like put, you know what, Mark? Do me a favor, man. Like let's let's yeah. start let's start let's start fucking parading these dudes in on the show. Yeah, and they can all just start telling and their start fucking stories, naming the names. Yeah, and freaking, and we'll 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 eventually find a group of attorneys that will fucking take this on, and really fucking like because I want to put screws. the boots to these yeah. dudes, man. Fuck yeah! Like I've I've I have fucking hated that place since I left, like with a vengeance for rightful fucking reason. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, I'm ready to put the boots to him, dude. Well, and, and so am I. And here's, here's the thing that a lot of guys are afraid of. Um, you know, Mojo was one of those that didn't care. He didn't have nothing to lose. Right. Um, but a ton of really, guys have their really is the guy. Yeah. Yeah. The guys are really fucked up. The- I mean, you look at... Um, Look at uh, who was it? He he was in Afghanistan. Uh, fuck, you would know. He he had a heart attack out in Colorado, like a year and a half, two years ago. But he took oh a, yes, he took a yeah. pellet, not a pellet. He took a fucking piece of frag in his leg during. Do you remember when the suicide bomber made his way into the yeah, CIA yeah, yeah, base yeah. in yeah. Afghanistan yep. and blew up yep. Yep. all those fucking yep. dudes? So he he was fucked up. He'd been fucked up for years. Yes. And he was he still had to deploy. He was out in, in uh doing his fucking training, doing like a PT test, I believe. No, and he and he fucking died. Oh. Like yep. had a heart attack. Dead. He shouldn't have been deploying anymore. He he was yeah. he was fucked up. Physically he was fucked up. Uh that was a uh, um he was a medic. Yeah, uh, Will or uh, fuck, I can't remember his name. You know I exactly only, what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. He was, yeah, great fucking guy, but he should have been like, dude, you you, you got to roll out, man. You got to like be permanently medically disabled. Fucking go home. Be well, and here's done. here's the one thing, as you know, Evan. This is the this is the thing that challenges a lot of it, and it's another leverage thing they have over you. As a contractor, so let's say I worked for, if I was full-time employee of the CIA, I was a blue badger. I did my 20 or 25 years, I retire. When I retire as a, as a blue badger, in 99% of the cases, I can then disclose who I worked for. Right. If I then go back and work as a contractor, then I can't. My association can't be. That's classified. If I Now, luckily for us, I mean... We didn't care. I mean, what are they going to do? Well, no, I, I, my last, my last year there, they fucked up, Mark. They gave me an unclass contract. (laughs) I I keep it in my records because it says unclass right on the fucking top. (laughs) You're using their own. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm using my, my own, like here it is unclassified. Go fuck yourself (laughs) because they came back to me, Mark, a couple years ago. A couple guys from the office called and they're like, dude, you can't say anything. And I'm like, 
Really? Here's a PDF of my last contract. It says unclassified right at the fucking top. And who does it say that I work for? Oh, that's right. CIA <laughs> in big fucking letters. So who's the fucking moron now? Oh, uh, there you go, guys. <laughs> well, it's like this. Again, I mean, you know how they always joke about freaking that's an oxymoron. So take know, my one, one more thing. Possible. I don't mean to interrupt you, but all, the other thing is, is Oh, my yeah. bank statements and my W-2s at the Are... top of it says Central Intelligence Agency. <laughs> yeah, I can't tell anybody except for my accountant and the IRS <laughs> and everybody else that has fucking access, you dumb fucks. But that's what they yeah. came back to me with. They're like, you guys, hey, man, you know, you can't say anything. And I'm like, no, idiot. I actually read my contracts. I actually understand what it's like. And not only that, but I called a fucking clearance attorney and told me, dude, you got an unclass contract. Your W-2 says CIA right at the fucking top of it. You could could go to the top of Mount Rushmore in a fucking bikini and have a news conference and tell people that you have that you work for the fucking CIA. And I'm like, good. That's all I needed to know. Well, and so. When they brought us, they brought us in, um, when they put um, Ty and Glenn's stars um, up, they had us, cut. We, we came in, and um, they gave us this new award, you know, because, you know, the, the chief of base and a couple other guys got the Intel star. Yeah. And for... Everyone out there that doesn't know what that is, that's the, that's the intelligence community's equivalent of the Medal of Honor. Um, the chief of base got that? Yeah. Um, Am I missing something? No, no, not at all. It's like typical, it's <laughs> no, like typical awards. No, I mean, yeah. I, mean I loved the person they chose for him to play in the movie because that guy was perfect at making him the most hated dipshit of all. <laughs> Yeah, and and I will I will say this: that was a good depiction of um, of that relationship with some people. You know, I I never had a problem with him because what he was he was that guy, and I learned early on in my military career the best way to get an officer to do something is convince them that it's, it's their, their idea. idea. Yeah. yeah, I don't need credit for it. So here, you know, hey, dude, you gotta you gotta do this. If I wanted to do something three or four days later, I would suggest it, like like I said, three or four days before, and then just kind of slowly push it in, give him a little nudge on things, and sure enough, he'd come up. You know, I've been thinking about it. This next thing, I think this is how we should do it. Man, dude, hey, I wish I would have thought of that. Thank you. <laughs> but he was, uh, he did. They gave us, they made a new award for contractors. It was a, I think, a, I don't know, I think it said Valor on it, big old thing and then they gave it to everybody that was a contractor there the cook got one and it's like (laughs) really and they give them to us in a bag a nice blue bag that had the emblem the seal the cia seal on the outside and had my name on it i'm like so i can take this home with me i can take this yeah yeah you can leave here with that your name on it and that it's cia and that you're coming out of here which i mean that goes down a whole lot of other roads they need to fix stuff. <laughs> right. but it kind of goes to what Evan was saying. I mean, you know, 
you guys aren't supposed to say nothing, but hey, here's the deal. Well, you know what they were doing is they would give guys their contracts, like when it, where I was at. They would give us a contract because of where we were at and the, the role that we were doing at that time is an unclassed thing. They would have you sign it, and then they would take it and put it, and they would say, well, you can't actually keep a file of it. Right. And I was like, no, I'm going to keep a file of it because I need this. This is my contract. Like you guys, like you guys hired me to do this job. This is my contract. I'm going to keep it. And the guy that was the, my management over there said, you can't Evan. And I was like, well, can I just take it home so I can read it then? And he goes, yeah, yeah, you can take it home so you can read it. <laughs> what do you think I did when I took it home? <laughs> Copied it. No, I didn't have to. I didn't have to copy it because he forgot (laughs) that he gave it to me. Go figure. Yeah, he asked me like you know a day or two later. I was like, oh shit, I'll get that. I'll I'll get it back to you, man. Sorry, I totally forgot. I never get. I never brought it back. Never brought (laughs) it back. Well, and again, and again, that's it. It's like, hey, can I have my contract reviewed by my attorney? Because I want to make sure this. No, you know, I want. Yeah, they would say no. No, No, why not? Well, it's classified because it's classified. And I'm like, well, you know, there are cleared attorneys. Yeah, we can get a cleared attorney. No, they they don't know any of that. That's the problem. (laughs) They have a bunch of GSs out there that don't know what the fuck they're doing ever. Like, I don't know if they know how to fucking tie their shoes. They're so incompetent and lost. (laughs) And it's like. You'd ask them about insurance or contracts or any of this stuff, and they're like, you know, domestically, if you're working, it's like, well, what if I get, what if I get shot out here? Oh, well, well, and that's I, the funny I, thing. I don't, I, I don't know, and I'm like, how the fuck do you know all these other regulations? It's like you don't know a fucking thing. They were just like guessing because they didn't want to do any of the work. It's like, and so you know, Evan, if you're a, if I happen to be contracting with a certain individual or certain company um certain part of the government and i'm stateside and i may and i may be putting my foot in my mouth but as far as i know there is dba does not apply to no you're right and that's 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 what our whole point was we we brought it to management out there we're like dba does not cover us idiots (laughs) it is for deployed people because they kept on saying well you guys got dba because none of them actually knew what dba meant they thought it was insurance they thought dba meant insurance they're that fucking stupid like that that's what they do all right we gotta we gotta wind this one up mark we're gonna yeah yeah i gotta go we're gonna have you on for another episode yeah this is great yeah dude oh let's do it all right let's do it i'll get uh I'll get Willie and we'll get Mojo on too. Awesome. Sounds great. Thanks, Love you, buddy. See you, man. Hey, thank you guys. Much, man. Take care. Bye.